0: A show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning show. My name is Jeff Bernier. I am your host as we have monthly conversations around money and meaning. And when I talk about money and meaning, it's really the idea behind uncovering what really matters most to you and your family. Uh, It's as Howard Thurman says, what makes your heart come alive? But we try to partner that or combine that with how do we create the financial capacity to go pursue those visions. And that's really what this show is designed to do is to give you high level content around complicated, important wealth management topics, but also encourage you as you uncover what really matters most to you in your life. So thank you again for joining us today. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, I've got another couple of great guests that we'll bring on here shortly. But I wanna ask you a question. Have you, have you ever thought about buying a new car um, or, or decided to buy a different automobile? And as you research the brand or the type of car that you think you'd like to move into, once you discover that um, model, the type and model, you start seeing them all over the place. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I have. I thought about buying a new car a couple of years ago and then I never noticed them. But once I identified that as the car that I wanted, I saw one on every street corner. Well, today's topic is kind of like that to me. We had a client recently who has a special needs child and he's a young adult. You know, know, he's probably 20 years old uh, and it was time to do some additional planning. They'd already done some planning. Um, And once we did that, I started noticing more uh, the special needs adults around our community. So uh, at this very same car dealer where I got this car at their coffee shop, they they have a special needs individual running the coffee shop, which is neat. I see him at the grocery store. Um, I ran in recently to my friend Rick Thompson, uh, who you've heard from. I had him on season two, episode nine to talk about Champions Community Foundation, and and he He has a special needs child and and has created a a, a neat organization. But at any rate, I thought it would be a good idea to bring on a uh, a pair of professionals uh, who do planning uh, for children with special needs. So I am so pleased today to have two awesome guests. Um, Heather Nadler is a partner uh, in the firm of Nadler Bernath here in Atlanta, uh, and they specialize in the needs of special needs uh, planning. Uh, and I'll let Heather tell a little bit about herself here in a moment, but she is highly accomplished and an expert in this area. There aren't that many, by the way, uh, who really have this unique specialty. She's got tons of accolades. Um, she went to Auburn. But we're not going to hold that against her uh, to undergrad, but I, again, I'll let her tell a little bit about herself here in a second. Uh, a, a colleague of hers and her firm, Laura Aiken-Smith, is also going to join us. Uh, she is a uh, super lawyer, your rising star. Um, so she is a uh, also uh, specializes in the area. Uh, she went to undergrad at Sanford University. Uh, again, lots of accolades. So, welcome Heather and uh, and Laura. Thank you for being on the Money and Meaning Show.
2: Thank you so much for having us. We always appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we do.
1: Well, it's, even it's if great. you're going to make
2: fun of me for going to Auburn.
1: Well, I'm not. I'm really just kidding. <laughs> I'm married an Auburn graduate, so uh, I have to be careful here. Although Laura is a dog too, so
3: that's right. Absolutely. So,
1: so, I, so we've got a balanced. A balanced approach here, so that's that's great. So let's start with that. Let's uh, could y'all just tell us uh, the audience. I always like the audience to know who we're talking to. So tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family, and um, in a couple minutes, if possible, and and also um, this might extend it a little bit, but how you got interested in special needs plan.
3: Okay, great.
2: Um, Well, I am an Atlanta native. Uh, My parents are from Savannah. They moved to the big city when they got married. They've since retired back down to Savannah, but um, I was uh, born and raised here in Marietta. I went to Auburn for undergrad, as Jeff has already given away. I went to law school at Tulane University. Um, as I always say, I spent three years in New Orleans trying to study. Um, and it was a, a great time. It was a wonderful city. Came back to Atlanta um, after finishing law school and have been here since uh, 2001 practicing. Um, did a general practice for um, about three years and then specialized. I had always liked um, estate planning classes, wills, trust, that yeah. type of thing. And so um, decided to specialize and have been doing exclusively special needs and elder law planning since 2003. Um, I am married. I have a 12 year old son and a 14 year old daughter.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I'm sure lots of folks out there know what that's <laughs> like, and uh, we live in Dunwoody. Okay.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Thank, thanks so much. About about it, Laura?
3: Um, so I am also a, an Atlanta native, born and raised in Tucker, um, just outside the perimeter, and um, uh, live now in Doraville, not too far from Tucker, a little surreal sometimes, but <laughs> live with my husband who um, went to tech, he's an electrical engineer. Very different brain than mine, but we make it work. Um, And we have two cats right now. So we're uh, big fans of our cats. Awesome. Um, And I always wanted to be a lawyer. I grew up sort of with the idealistic um, to kill a mockingbird kind of uh, mindset of being a lawyer. And I went to law school. Frankly, I wanted to sort of save the world. And I, I got into criminal defense practice in law school. Um, but quickly kind of realized that I wanted a sort of a little bit of a happier lifestyle. And so I fell into an estate planning practice when I graduated law school. And um, it's such a client driven practice where we're really helping people. Um, So I started to realize it's a great fit and I did, I call it vanilla estate planning, just kind of the, the uh, families with kids who need wills. I did that for several years and then um, got kind of, uh sort of situated there and was ready for a, a more challenging practice and heather pulled me in i started with nadler bernath in 2018 okay. and have been doing we just you know we really focused in on the special needs planning and elder law side of things which is under the estate planning umbrella but um but a little bit more uh specialized and challenging so it's been a great fit for me here
1: yeah Well, let's move into that. So can you define for us a little bit what special needs planning is and who it's for?
3: So special needs planning, like I said, is uh, sort of under the umbrella of estate planning. When we talk about special needs planning, we're really talking about estate planning. It's just that it's for people who have either a loved one with a disability, they have a disability themselves. Um, Very often uh, our special needs planning practice is parents who are coming in to do their own estate planning um, in such a way that we can ensure that their child will maintain or obtain eligibility for public benefits and those benefits namely are going to be social security and, and medicaid those are the benefits that we're looking at so when we're talking about special needs planning we're really talking about uh, long-term planning for children who have disabilities, or again, it can be a loved one. We have grandma and grandpa coming in for grandkids, aunts and uncles. It doesn't have to be parents with their children. That's just often the case. And um, the, they're basically doing their estate planning so that they don't necessarily leave money directly to their children, but instead for the benefit of their children via um, a whole bunch of different tools. But those are usually we're usually looking at special needs trusts incorporated into wills and powers of attorney and all that other stuff.
1: Okay, Great. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I want to get into some of that in a moment, but can you, we'll, will just kind of talk a little bit about uh, the government benefits. So you mentioned the government benefits. So tell me the types of things that might be available to a family that has a child with special needs.
2: You know, I'll start that, kind of with, with the, the, the beginning basics and um, you know, as far as, you know, how, what families have done this planning, who has their, their planning in place. When kids are under the age of 18, there really might not be a whole lot available in the way of public benefits. And that's because under the age of 18, parents have a parental obligation of support. So if you approach Social Security and say, hey, we need some help or go to Medicaid and say we'd like to get some benefits, um, they're going to say, well, your child's under the age of 18, you have a parental obligation of support. So please tell us, all about your assets and your income. And for a lot of just middle-class families, that disqualifies kids for benefits while they are under the age of 18. There is one benefit that can be available um, regardless of a parent's financial status, and that's the Katie Beckett Deeming Waiver. And this is a, a Medicaid waiver program that will provide benefits for a child it's used a lot of times for therapies or it can help pay insurance premiums so there there are different ways the benefit can be used But under the age of 18, um, a lot of times that benefit, and there's another resource available that is Georgia specific known as family support funding that can provide up to $3,000 a year in reimbursements for parents for out-of-pocket medical expenses. But other than the two of those, you're really not looking at getting an income benefit for the child while they're under the age of 18 or getting a comprehensive Medicaid coverage. That kind of hits more when they reach the age of 18. So now I'll let
1: Okay. That. okay, so over 18, we're moving to a new phase.
3: Right, and that's why I say a lot of the special needs planning is long-term planning because um, we're really looking at post-18 um, benefit eligibility. And so that falls into two sort of categories of benefits. You've got, we call them means-tested benefits, which just means it depends on how much money you have as to whether you're eligible for those benefits. That's going to be SSI, which is the Social Security Income Benefit, and um, uh, Medicaid comes with SSI. Those are both uh, benefits that we are going to be paying attention to how much money you have, um, both as far as income and assets.
1: This is is, is for the the beneficiary's income? For the beneficiary, right.
3: For the person with a disability.
1: Yeah, their income, Mm -hmm. their resources.
3: That's right. Mm -hmm. Because once a person turns 18, they become a household of one in the eyes of the government. Believe it or not, they're at 18, they're an adult, and they become uh, their own household. And the government is now looking at their assets to determine whether they're eligible. So at 18, uh, many people are eligible for SSI. Uh, That 2022 number for SSI is $841 a month. Um, you can get up to $841 a month. And with that SSI benefit comes Medicaid medical coverage. Okay. Um, people usually kind of cruise along on that benefit until um, they, their parents um, become disabled themselves, retire or pass away. And then if the person with a disability was disabled prior to age 22, then they can transfer over to their parents and, um, social security benefit and draw off of that and it's called SSDI when they receive that um, benefit. And SSDI is oftentimes going to be more than the SSI amount because they're drawing off of their parents' record. A person can also draw off of their own work record if a person with a disability worked, paid into the system for enough quarters and um, has generated the ability to do that. But in one way or the other, they're drawing off of a work record so it becomes SSDI. And with that SSDI benefit, um, which again, is usually a little bit more than the SSI amount. With SSDI, after two years of receiving that, you can also get Medicare, which is the same medical coverage we get um, when we turn 65. We can draw off that.
1: Right. Okay. So, so for the uh, young adults who have special needs, this planning is really about how do we provide resources for them but not disqualify them from things that they're entitled to through the various programs?
3: Is That's exactly that, right. Is that a
1: fair statement? So, mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about the tools. So tell me what are special needs trust or, you know, guardianships or power of attorneys or, I mean, can you just kind of give us a broad stroke on what some of these vehicles are that you might use in accomplishing these objectives?
2: Sure. So one of the, the primary tools and usually what people have heard about and come into our office asking about is a special needs trust. Okay. You know, I need a special needs trust. Why right. do you need a special needs yeah. trust? I don't know. The school said I needed one or, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, so the special needs trust does exactly. You're, you're right on, Jeff, as far as what it does. When you apply for Social Security or Medicaid benefits, they ask about your income and your assets. You know, what have you got? What assets are available to you? Also, if you have a trust, you have to disclose that trust. Typically in estate planning, if we had parents with children, they're going to set up a will that says, hey, you know what? If I die, put this money in trust, put so-and-so in charge of it, and use it for my child's maintenance, education, support, and health. And support is a four-letter word in the world of Social Security and Medicaid. If they see a trust, if they see that your child has a trust, and that trust says, hey, use this to support my child. Then they'll say, great, go use that trust to support the child. And when it's gone, come back and we'll talk about benefits. So that's what you would typically see in a trust for a child who didn't have any disabilities. If right. we have a trust for a child that has disabilities, a potentially better route to go is to use a special needs trust, also called a supplemental needs trust. Those terms, right. for the most part, are interchangeable. Exactly. Um in the language of the trust rather than saying support my child it says use this money to supplement my child trustee look first to medicaid social security other benefits that are available out there and then if my child isn't getting everything that they need or isn't getting everything they need fast enough then sure use this money to supplement the benefits that are available but because that direction is in there medicaid and social security cannot count it as a resource that's available to the trustee, I mean, excuse me, to the beneficiary before getting benefits. Right. So um, for that reason, you know, special needs trust is our primary tool. The parents are interested in, you know, they want to leave something for, the child, um, but they recognize that these benefits are of the utmost importance, can't lose
1: those,
2: especially once a parent is gone. You know, parents will will tend to think, oh, well, we're fine all these years. We've made it without benefits. We don't need benefits. And then when we pose the question to them, well, yeah, but what are you doing for your child that won't get done if you're not here? You know, that's where the benefits can, can come into play.
1: Right. So, um, special use
2: trust is a huge tool that we use. Yeah,
1: or if even just a uh, you know a generous uh, friend or grandparent wants to support the ch- the child and or the young adult at this point and just give them some money, mm-hmm. they could be causing major problems. Is that is that what I'm hearing here?
2: Yes, absolutely. So a lot of times, what we do as part of an estate plan is we create the mm-hmm. the wills for the parents. And then we create a, an inter vivos or that's fancy word for in life, uh, a okay. freestanding trust that exists right now.
0: Okay. So that trust Living is trust. In existence.
2: Okay. So right. if grandma does want to give a gift um, to the trust, great, let's put it, you know, let's put it in the, in the trust and it won't mess up any benefits. And then also that trust just kind of hangs out and accepts an inheritance. When that happens, right. when parents pass away, when a, aunt and uncle or a sibling who has new children you know they're you you create this bucket and it can accept money from any source and the important thing is by putting it in that bucket you've got the financial oversight that's necessary and you're also um not messing up any benefits
1: yeah you know in in preparation for our discussion today i i I have to confess i called rick (laughs) and chatted with him a little bit about the challenges that that these families face and Um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my conversation with Rick and he was talking about how these young families that find out they have a special needs child, the stress and the complications and how difficult it is. And he even indicated to me that the rate of divorce is higher in families with special needs children than the general population, which is quite shocking because obviously we have a high divorce rate in this country anyway, sadly. Um, And then the second thing that occurs to me is... So you've got these young children uh, that you have to do some estate planning for. Uh, so even if you have a young child, you still planning can be helpful, it sounds like to me. Uh, and then the second challenge is as these children become young adults, uh, and like the ones I see out in the community who are young adults who are, who are actually working in the community, um, their parents are aging. I mean, their parents are getting much, much older and, and don't have the ability the physical ability or the energy to to support them as they as they once did so um so can you just speak a little bit about planning for both you know the young family you know is this still important to go through an estate planning process and put these things in place and and then again for the for the um for the old, the aging caregivers or, or support system how you might how you might help them any thoughts oh, on You that? take
2: the young
3: families, Laura, and I'll take the aging. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting. So a number that is important to keep in context for this, really, this entire conversation is that for many Medicaid programs, specifically really the post-18 programs, but in general, um, oftentimes you have to have a, a person receiving the benefit can have $2,000 or less in their name. That's it. So it's, it's nothing. And so when we're talking about um, these younger kids, we have plenty of families who come in with two, three, four-year-olds, and oftentimes their prognosis is is ambiguous. You know, they're not really sure how things are going to shake out because their kids need to mature. You know, a lot of times when we have um, kids on the autism spectrum, that can shake out a whole bunch of different ways. But what we want to do is keep the door open for options. And so because, again, that $2,000 number means that if you leave your child (laughs) either via that support trust Heather was talking about or just to, let's say your child's name is John, if you just say to John, I leave you $10,000, there could potentially create some complications and they're going to have to spend that money quickly in order to keep or get eligibility. So for the younger families, I think a lot of it is just getting the infrastructure in place. One, so that the parents are taken care of in the event, you know, they have some kind, let's say that mom gets in a car accident and is in the hospital. We want to make sure that she's got her power of attorney documents in place so that somebody else can be handling her business. Right. Because mom and dad are the ones taking care of these kids and they need to make sure that they've got their backups in place. Um, and then also, I think just ensuring that you don't create a situation where your kid is going to have a whole bunch of other issues. Um Related to any of their care needs um, that that they can avoid.
1: Yeah, as you're as you're talking about the younger group, you know we we talk a lot about multi generational planning, and often we're talking about it in terms of taxes mm-hmm. or, or 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 wealth transfer, um, and really more critical here than than anywhere else because you've got these children that need not only financial help because these are very expensive services that they are going to need throughout their life, uh, their future income is uncertain, um, uh, you know, at best. Uh, and, and then finally, you know, you do have assistance from the government that you want to make sure that you have things in place. So even for the young family, it seems critical. And, you, you know, I, I say in terms of financial planning, mm-hmm. um, you know, just having, we talked about this last month with Mona, just having a plan in place can create some level of comfort. You still got challenges, you still got issues, but you can, but it does free you up a little bit to focus on the needs of the child, the healthcare needs, the social needs, um, obviously the medical needs and not worry quite so much. If something happens to me, are they going to be okay? I mean, just having that in place, the peace of mind that can come with having that in place, I would think might help with some of the challenges of these young couples that have a, Have a need. Okay, let's talk about the the uh, the above eating crowd now. Heather, (laughs) here.
2: Yeah. Um, So a lot of times when we have, you know, it's interesting that you made that comparison, Jeff, to tax planning because it is. It's very similar. It's playing within the rules that have been set forth and keeping the the government happy because obviously the government is the one who's providing these benefits and that who sets forth kind of the parameters of, of what we're going to do. And, um, you know, getting that plan in place is huge. Another thing that we look to do as part of that plan, you know, this trust might be great. And yes, we want to give you the peace of mind for knowing that one day this is all going to be taken care of, but how can we make better, make things better right now? You know what? Right. And a lot of times with these aging parents, that's exactly what we're looking to do. There are conversations that need to be had and they are uncomfortable and they are so Scary potentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, the parent of a child with special needs, you know, their hope—if you were to ask them deep down—is that you know their child passes away five minutes before they do, Mm -hmm. you know, because they just can't even bear to think about what's going to happen. What are the what are the what ifs? So Mm -hmm. we look into you know not just getting the medical side of things. I mean, not just the the financial side of things taken care of and the legal side of things, but, um, you know, putting those players into place, who is going to step in and what resources can we give them? You know, one of the most important things that we have in our practice is a life care book. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a lot that is living up in the head of a parent who cares for a child with special Mm -hmm. needs. Um, And this life care plan um, that we provide to clients, you know, gets all that stuff out and down on paper. So as Mm -hmm. they are aging, it's like, well, you know, don't bother trying this therapy because we did and it didn't work or this drug is bad or, you know, so much that's valuable to whoever's going to step in and and take over. Um, Another thing that we will see a lot of times is parents skimping on their own care, feeling like I can't, Mm. I can't go to an assisted living. I can't go to nursing home because I have to preserve this money um, for my child. And within, you know, on the elder law side of things, when it comes to Medicaid planning, you actually can make gifts, you know, I can't just go giving my giving money to my kids and saying, hey, I want some benefits for myself. Um, But if I have a child with special needs, I can, you know, you can use a special needs trust to, to make gifts. So there are um, things that are important, in addition to having the, the difficult conversations about who's going to step in and try and fill a parent's shoes, because no one's going to fill those shoes like a parent can. It's just yeah. not going to happen. But you can build a great team that combined together um, can come close. So, you know, putting the, the logistics together for that, as well as the financial means to make it happen, that goes a long way toward peace of mind as well. And if possible, making some of those transitions before mom and dad are just gone. Yeah, um, well, you know, maybe it is better to go ahead and move in with the sibling now or to, you know, find a good group living arrangement now um, so that they're not dealing with the loss of a parent and having their world
1: flipped upside down. All at the same time. time and being moved to someplace, not even in the city where there might be a facility that's available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can be quite disruptive. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that occurs to me is um, there's a whole lot. Uh, of of things that these families have to deal with that are not just legal. I mean, there's, there's so many other things. And it sounds like in your practice that you guys, again, being a specialist in this area, you know, who the players are, you know, who the partners are that you might bring to bear. I'm assuming, is that a fair statement? That's what it sounded like when you were yes. talking no, we, about. That.
2: We definitely know the partners and we learn so much from our clients, you know, right. parents are out there networking with each other Um, and every time we learn of a new program you know I scribble it down on a piece of paper stick it in my desk drawer, and then I sit down at intervals and google all this stuff and learn about you know because we don't know everything um, even but you know it's like oh you know you you talk to one parent you say oh I had a client that was similar to that and I go and can dig through the file and say hey try this program.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. so. So that's
3: something that we're really proud of is being able to you know deal with getting this infrastructure in place the long-term planning but also being able to give people some very helpful kind of practical resources that they can go seek out now too. Yeah today
1: yeah um, so I'm glad you mentioned that Heather about learning uh, from your from your clients um, and, and from obviously others in the community because I know things are changing I mean the technology is changing where these young adults can live more independently uh, is, is Rick's example with, with, uh, champions Place is a, is a great example. Um, but, you know, um, you know, and, and potentially with health technology, they're living longer and have more, obviously options in their life. Um, and, uh, but, but you need resources and you need to know who, where do you go to get, to get help with these kinds of things. But in terms of learning from your clients, I mean, Mona said the exact same thing last month when I talked about how you stay on top of all these areas. And she says, well, we collaborate with guys like you and we learn more of this technical stuff and we know who the partners are that we can connect to in our in our integrated advisor network, like firms like yours, uh, but also there's two client circumstances. A client has a unique problem we haven't seen before, uh, and it gives us an opportunity to learn something new and learn who the resources are uh, so that we can draw upon it. Um, but, you know, we talk in our practice a lot about... It being a head and a heart journey. I mean, there's a lot of head stuff. We talk about tax planning. We talk about qualification for benefits. Um, there are tons of things we could go into technically about the types of tools that you use, but it's also a heart journey, which are the concerns that you just mentioned about the parents saying, what's going to happen to my child when when I'm no longer here to help them? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are um, passionate about that kind of conversation because it is—I'm sure it is—very difficult and uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. to ask those questions because nobody wants to think about the future that can be quite scary without good, without without good planning. Well, this yes, has been—we have, we
2: have tissues on our conference table for a reason. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Well, this has it's been. This, yeah, this has been great. I I appreciate um, I appreciate all this great information. I know our audience does too. Um, any final comments or thoughts that you have as we? As we get a wrap up here.
3: I think um, the thing that I would say is just uh, better late than never. And also a big part of our job and other lawyers who are doing the practice that we're doing is to kind of get your brain juices flowing. So you don't have to have everything lined up and ready to go when you first come into our office. I think a lot of people that first step of scheduling the appointment is the hardest one, yeah. um, but getting in here and getting things going, once you do that, it's a lot easier. So I would always just encourage people to, to not put it off just because it's overwhelming or scary.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, okay. it, it's, it's back to the, you know, the, the, the value proposition and planning is uh, there is a benefit today. And that benefit is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. There. I mean, there, you, and I can't tell you that's, that's, that's worth something different to every person. Um, but the peace of mind, I would think, would be a pretty important benefit to get started, uh, even if you don't know where to start. Uh,
2: right. Yeah, it's the old adage of, you know, eating the eating the elephant one bite at a time, right? Um, you know, we have very long- I heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> we have very long-standing relationships with with clients that you know oftentimes it starts out with the young mom and dad just getting the estate plan in place and getting some life insurance to fund that trust if the if the worst comes to pass then the child turns 18 and we look at getting guardianship and what doors are open now for additional benefits and then mom and dad retire, and the child jumps over from SSI to SSDI, and, you know, they get a scary notice in the mail that says they're going to lose Medicaid, don't panic, we'll get it back. Um, and then looking even at the aging, you know, of the, of the parents. So I mean, it's very long term, there's a lot of different um, steps along the way, and you don't jump in and do it all at once.
1: Well, that's good that you that you hired this 18-year-old to come to work, to come work with you, Heather. This oh, kid.
2: Thank you heaven.
1: Not 18. You know,
2: <laughs> ever... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> Um, but uh, but there's well you, you look you look young so that's good um, but um, yeah because it is you know you're talking about lifetime right. planning and I do want to point out uh, your website was phenomenal you do have some resources on your website you've got some great videos to talk about not just special needs but elder care and some of the other areas that you work in but there's some great short videos that will give you uh, the audience uh, a refresher on some of this information and you've got a couple tools too that I think are really helpful like you have one that talks about what do you do when your child turns 18, which I thought was really, really helpful, you know, checklists and things of that nature. So I encourage the audience to, to check those things out. You know, we didn't even get into some of the more technical stuff. I, you know, we one of, your, one of your blogs talks about the SECURE Act. Um, and the SECURE Act, our audience knows a little bit about it. We've talked a lot about it, about the way it changes IRA distributions for non-spouses. And again, I didn't even think about it in terms of special needs until I noticed your blog, because there's a whole level of additional uh, planning that you would need to do if you have a special needs child and you have an IRA, um, how it's left to the child and obviously qualifying for these benefits, but also the benefit of stretching it uh, instead of having it forced out over a 10-year period as as it is for for most of us. So again, that's a really
2: great planning opportunity, you know, to to shift
1: the, the new. wealth and the tax burden mm-hmm. that's right this this new it's a new it's new because the secure act is new and so that that speaks to the idea that you've got to stay on top of this it's not one and done uh there are things that continuously change so having an important partner and you guys um again uh just let help us leverage the work that we do because we have our integrated advisor network with guys like you well let's let's wrap up with uh how can they find you so how can the audience? find more about your firm and and what you do and, and how to get started if they have questions.
2: Well, um, as you had mentioned, and thank you, Jeff, for the compliments on our website, um, com um, has all of the, the resources. And then also our uh, telephone number here at the office is 770-455-0535. So um, would would love to hear from anybody who has additional questions or follow-up.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a resource. This has been a very useful show, I'm sure. And I think this is one that we will probably send out to people from time to time as we run across uh, for, uh, friends or clients that have special needs children that might need some additional work. And I know you do broader types of plannings as well, but you do have a, a particular expertise here. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today for the Money and Meaning show. It's been awesome having you join us uh, on yet another important topic. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please check us out on the various streaming services, iTunes, um, and so forth. You can also reach out to me and comment on the show at money and meaning at tandemgrowth.com. Uh, And just a really quick uh, commercial here. I've got a book coming out later this year. I've been working on it for a little bit over a year. It's called The Money and Meaning Journey, which takes a lot of these same kind of conversations where we're trying to combine uh, these deeper uh, philosophical discussions about what gives you life purpose and meaning, but also creating the structure around your wealth management plan to create the freedom. So hope you'll check that out later. I'm sure we'll talk
0: more about it. Um, But for now, thanks a lot for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted, and/or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be re- Regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.